1: All right, barroom fans. We are lucky enough today to be joined by, and I think it's safe to say, the voice of the Big East, Mister John Fanta. John Fanta, how are you doing this evening?
0: It's just great to make the first appearance in the barroom. Have seen your guys' work. Have loved listening in. Love the content, and uh, think that this is a pod that that really fills a void. And it's a pleasure to take a seat, if you will, and talk some Big East basketball.
1: We appreciate you pulling up a stool. Hopefully people can listen to this in between your spaces. I know you <laughs> on the late-night spaces, you get some interesting uh, divorce stories going on there. <laughs> yeah.
0: That did happen earlier this week. Uh, that did happen earlier this week. Luckily, it looks like Pete, the Seton Hall fan, is going to be able to keep his marriage intact, despite some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups getting in the way.
1: We'll see on uh, Valentine's Day with that big slate of Big East games if he uh, drops the ball again.
0: We'll find out. We'll find out for him. Right now, it's
1: complicated. All right, John. So let's first talk talk about you. You go to Saint Ignatius High School in Cleveland, and then you have to, you know, you make the decision like a lot of us after high school to go to college. And you are a Seton Hall alum. How do you decide on Seton Hall? Like something drew you to them? Opportunities?
0: Well, I wanted to get to the metropolitan area for college that was really the the goal was to get to the New York New Jersey area really New York was my mindset and so I was looking at Syracuse and St. John's Fordham and I was about to go on a weekend tour to some of these different schools and the college counselor at St. Ignatius her name was Linda Gabor She handed me a brochure and she said, hey, there's this Seton Hill University. You might want to take a look. Now, there is a Seton Hill. Yeah. But I go, you mean Seton Hall? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seton Hall. She goes, apparently they have broadcasting. I know nothing about them, but apparently they do. Um, Not sure. But, you know, if if, uh, you'd have any interest while you're out in New York, hey, you're out there already. Why not take a little trip over there? Mm -hmm. And I look, I'm like, South Orange, New Jersey. South Orange, New Jersey. I'd never heard of, of this. I had no idea. Well, it's not too far from Newark. Okay. All right. So we end up going to Fordham and going to Syracuse, and going to St. John's. And honestly, I was really thinking about being a Fordham Ram. I mean, I was I was close towards that decision, even went to a spring orientation. Uh, but, but I took a look at Seton Hall. And at the time, the Big East was – kind of in a state of mystery of what was going to be next. Mm -hmm. Went on the tour of Seton Hall and I just fell in love with the people there. I thought the people there were willing to give opportunities. My dad kept saying to me, you know, Big East Conference, Madison Square Garden, this is the big time. You could be covering major, major college basketball. I thought, well, that's interesting. MSG. Uh, the fact that they're just miles away from New York city could get to New York. And I'm going to tell you how poetic it is. The week that I went on my visit to the campus was the week that the big East Catholic seven announced that they were going to form their own league. Oh, Look at that. So it was almost, the timing was like, wow, I just visited and here. The big East is going to reconfigure. It seems like there's, there's a fresh start there. I'm obviously looking for my new start in life at the new school. And, Thinking, looking at schools and trying to figure out where I was going to go, I kept coming back to Seton Hall because they had a great radio station, eighty-nine point five WSOU, the Pirate Sports Network, which broadcasts all the athletic events on campus. I really liked that idea of it, which they they still are around. Any any student at Seton Hall gets to partake in live television quality production of their sporting events, and aren't men's basketball mm-hmm. on campus and. I just thought that the people, the people were what set the place apart. I wanted to go to the metropolitan area. And I was, again, I was very close to Fordham, but something inside kept telling me, and I'm a, I'm a man of faith myself. I mean, something inside kept telling me go to Seton hall, go to the big East, you know, and I'll be able to land at Madison square garden. And I thought to my, I thought in my heart of hearts, seriously, what you heard, what you hear growing up, especially as an outsider, Hey, if you can make it in New York City, if you can make it at the world's most famous arena, what can't happen? What 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 can't happen? And I wanted to live out that dream. And I thought Seton
1: Hall is a place where that dream can come true. And look, and you still haven't left the Big East afterwards. So <laughs> you came in and you haven't left yet. So you do some radio there. It looks like, you know, you're very involved. And then you land at Fox sports as an intern. What are you learning as an intern? Who are you learning from? Cause it seems like, you know, you go intern and then you take another step and another step and another step until you're eventually, you know, the play-by-play guy. Well, you really did your homework, which I love because I don't know
0: if everyone understands that I was an intern at Fox sports. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that because it was after my junior year of college. Took an internship with them in production. I had done internships with Westwood One Mm -hmm. as well as CNBC, uh, helping out with their their news department and the website. So Fox had offered an internship, and I said yes, not fully knowing how I was going to get out there, because at the time I'm in New Jersey, where I was going to live and what the summer was going to be like ahead of my senior year. But I said, yes, I booked a one-way ticket on United Airlines out to L.A. And it was the early stages of Airbnb. So I was going to pay for my own living. Fox didn't pick up your living cost. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. And my parents weren't going to help me. I had three younger siblings. They weren't. They, they're already helping me with college and whatnot. They're not helping me with this. Yeah. So I found a house in L.A., but I was going to be in a room, in, a room in that house is what the Airbnb described it as. And look, the, the the house Airbnb looked nice. It was like seven forty a month for rent, which everyone would be like, "What a steal!" Nowadays, a steal. yep, absolutely. But it makes you say, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" Yeah. So I show up to the house. It's a hostel. Mm-hmm. Okay. A group of people inside of it, and I walk up to the door, and I walk in towards my room. You know, it's your classic hostel housing, Mm -hmm. community housing. I walk into the room, and on the left side of the room is a 60-year-old man from Africa named George. Oh, yeah? Who was in America to make a better living for himself. Here he is trying to make a better living for himself on one side of the room, and I lived on the other side of the room.
1: Also trying to make a better living for yourself. You could
0: well, that, there you go. And that's how the summer in Los Angeles began. And it ended with working hard. I, I, I didn't want to spend time in the hostel, admittedly. I wanted to spend time in the Fox studios. Yeah. I wanted to maximize my time there. So I just went, I went into the studio uh, as often as I could. Got to work with the likes of Chris Myers and Rob Stone and Kevin Burkhardt. Pete Rose, Frank Thomas, Dontrell Willis, Kevin, um, well, I said Burkhart, but a yeah. number of guys, Kurt Menethy, Colin Coward. It was such a rewarding summer in production in mm-hmm. working behind the scenes. And because I did that internship in production, I learned how the industry works as a commentator. Absolutely. And I knew, I knew what calling a game was like and kind of the skeleton of it. But you know, you, You don't fully appreciate the industry until you're immersed behind the scenes. And I really, my passion for it grew even more, and my appreciation for teammates grew even more because I was one of them that summer working on the production side. And I always say to this day, working on a show, I'm lucky enough that somebody wants to put my mug on TV, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make the show possible. We couldn't do a show without them. That internship helped me learn that way. And that internship helped me form relationships. And it all started in a hostel in Los Angeles because I said yes. And I'll never forget that Fox Sports internship. And I'm grateful, very grateful to be part of the Fox Sports family to this day. It's something that really means the world to me. And I love calling games for them and love doing content for FoxSports.com. But it all started by taking a risk, taking a leap. Mm -hmm. Bet on yourself is my advice to people all the time. And never take an opportunity for granted. Yeah, I wasn't on the air that summer, but I helped with features. I helped with behind the scenes work. So now when I'm in the scene on the scene rather my appreciation for those other people has has increased.
1: It's almost like the you know Miami Heat coach Eric Spoelstra who started with the Heat as like a video room coordinator he talks about how it helped him understand so many different levels that when he got to be the head coach he was like I know what everybody's job is and I understand the organization so much better.
0: Yes, Tyler. You're awesome. you're totally right. You you absolutely appreciate the industry by having that type of situation Mm -hmm. I, i think it's invaluable i think it what people don't understand is is that on a tv show when when fs1 is broadcasting a college basketball game there's about 40 50 people that that play a role in some way shape or form to make that come on the air and to me it's 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 amazing it's an amazing thing to be a part of you're, it's. I always say broadcasting is my way of playing the game. Hmm. It's our way of playing the game. And when we're on that team, you really feel like a teammate so that when a game ends, I'll tell you this much, it's really fun when the, when, when you do come to an end to your telecast because here's the thing, our lives don't ride on winning and losing these coaches, these players that are putting it all on the line. But it does feel like every time we get off the air at the end of the show that we've won a game because we've done it all together
1: to do those two hours of TV. Absolutely. And part of being on that team is uh, what makes it so rewarding at the end of the day too. So that's
0: hundred percent,
1: 100%. So so John, now you're the play-by-play guy. Let's talk about the conference that you're covering and that uh, being that play-by-play guy, the big East. I was told this is a down year. Are we getting six tournament teams in to the big East on our down season? (laughs)
0: it certainly could happen it's on the table now Seton Hall loses to Creighton on Wednesday night as we are talking I don't think they had to win that game to get in they still have opportunities they're still on the bubble I I don't think that that loss to Creighton puts them in the next four out I think they're still in that last four in. that's just my opinion five is obviously a solid thing five's a solid number as well and for the conference, when you're in an 11-team league, if you get five teams to the NCAA tournament, and the way that, frankly, Georgetown, St. John's, and DePaul are going and have gone in recent years, you're probably going to take five. You'll sign up for that, and that's fine. It's a solid year. It's not the best year. I think six or seven obviously the goal, mm-hmm. Tyler, but I think that five puts the conference in a solid place. They're not going to get criticized for getting five teams to the NCA tournament. Five of those teams, all five are ranked which is really impressive. Now, for Seton Hall, it's interesting here because they are the team that's firmly on the bubble. They lose Wednesday night to Creighton, and they only scored seven points the last 12 minutes of the game. Where I worry about them is their offense. Because they're offensively limited, it leaves them susceptible to losing to anyone. But because they're so good defensively, they could beat anybody. Yeah, but down the stretch here now they've got Villanova Saturday night. It would really behoove them to win that game. If you win that game, you still give yourself like I I feel like you still have some breathing room, right? Mm-hmm. If you lose that game, if you lose that game to Villanova, then you're really up against a wall, and you're going to be on the other side of the bubble now, needing to to come up with an amazing win to get back under consideration. If you win that game, you've got Georgetown Valentine's Day. Then they're at UConn. They're probably not winning that game. They don't need to. For me, Seton Hall season's probably going to come down to a February 24th home game against Xavier at the Prudential Center. That's their best resume home game. But they got to beat Villanova on Saturday in all likelihood first, in my opinion. If they could do that, which could they beat Villanova? Of course. Now, Villanova's playing better. And that's the thing. Here's a twist on your take, Tyler. The sixth team. Don't count out the Wildcats at the Big East tournament to get to the semifinals. And then at that point, why can't they get to the final? And then at that point, why couldn't they? Do I think it'll happen? No. But they but they are a legitimate, like, in the past, we've been like, there's no shot that there's a bid stealer from the Big East. Mm-hmm. Look, Villanova, if more keeps getting better and if they keep playing well, they're going to be in any game, in all likelihood, in the Big East tournament. So they would be a candidate. I think the conference ends up getting five teams, to the NCAA tournament. I just don't see a sixth,
1: but prove me wrong. Could be wrong. And Villanova, I've been talking to people online They're, you know, they're like, we're done with moral victories. Only thing Villanova is worried about right now should be getting ready for the biggest tournament to be fully healthy and ready to go because quite frankly, they can win out. And I don't think the resume is still, a, you know, a tournament team. It so. wouldn't
0: be good enough. Yes. So yeah, they need to be ready no. to be there.
1: Um, John, I think one of the things people are struggling with with the Big East, and this goes into tournament, is the net ranking Ken Palm and how much out of conference means to the committee. You know, do you have any insight on what the committee is, you know, thinking with that out of conference schedule? Because I think people, you know, we go into UConn a lot about how UConn still six in Ken Palm and seven in the net, um, despite really struggling in conference. What do you think the committee is weighing for that out of conference schedule?
0: Yeah, I think that what the committee looks at with the out of conference schedule is is how much did you actually challenge yourself in games that you don't just don't get assigned, right? So did you test yourself? Did you make an effort to test yourself, and or did you just rack up cupcakes oh, like times? St. John's did nothing to help themselves with their non-conference schedule. Nothing. So that then, when they start to go on a slide in Big East play, goodbye, goodnight, your season's over. Like, And then, the only person that you're hurting is yourself. The only people you're hurting are yourselves. It's interesting because, like, Providence didn't schedule tough. They accumulated wins. Mm-hmm. But then, when they took off in December, they have the cachet of a Sweet 16 berth last year. No bad loss. They were beating quality teams in conference play, UConn, Marquette. But it's not like the Friars. If you look at their non conference performance, there's nothing unbelievable there. Win accumulation matters when you can parlay it into conference wins. For Ed Cooley, this particular season, Tyler, just winning some games in non conference play was big for their confidence because he lost his entire starting five. Mm -hmm. He did. Xavier's going to get credit for their non conference scheduling. They went to PK 85. Obviously, they go to Cincinnati. They play West Virginia. They played Indiana. They challenged themselves throughout. They played Gonzaga. They played Duke. Like even losing those games, it doesn't hurt them. Mm -hmm. UConn playing Alabama and Iowa State, beating both those teams, that's what makes the Huskies a potential three or four seed still, if all goes right for them. So non-conference scheduling is paramount. It's paramount. Marquette's another one they schedule well, and they've helped themselves as well. That win over Baylor, while the game was assigned to them, they were ready for that game against Baylor because they had other tests before that, that they scheduled themselves. If you don't non-conference schedule, you're doing it all wrong. Why wouldn't you do it?
1: Absolutely. And I think it was Marquette's a perfect indication of, you know, when they played Purdue that close at the beginning of the year, I think it kind of woke people up to say, Hey, this team's a lot better than ninth in the conference than, you know, we had predicted Um, John, talking about, you know, we talked about St. John's a little bit there. I, I, and, you know, I don't want to talk badly about anyone, but are we going towards two head coach vacancies this off season in the big East or are we still going to have, you know, is one of these teams Georgetown or St. John's going to bring one of those coaches back?
0: I think that both programs are trending towards making a change as they should be because the standards aren't being met. Facts are facts. It's not, and and it's not, this is nothing personal. This is nothing personal. Um, in in candor, Patrick Ewing is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he really is um, and and has been nothing but good to me. Yeah. But both programs are in a state where they, they need a change in leadership because the respective leaders have been given enough opportunities. It's hard to believe Mike Anderson won Big East Coach of the Year in 2021.
1: It feels like just the other day. It talked. I it goes to how good was Julian Champagne on that team? Was he the reason they were competitive for
0: so many? Yeah, games? he was great. He was great, and they had a couple of other kids that really stepped up for them as as well. Uh, Rasheem Dunn can't be forgotten for the role that he played for them. And then that was, let's see, the beginning of Posh yeah. and Dylan. And and they had it going. They really they, they had it going. St. John's is majorly disappointing. I mean, they, they really are. It's, it, this is deflating. This is a program that for a program that belongs to New York city, for them to have fallen off as much as they have. And for them to have really not had the right leader as head coach in years, Mm -hmm. you know, Chris Mullen got them to an NCAA tournament. He did Tyler. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't this bad under Mullen. There were moments of, of frenetic nature and moments of drama and moments off the court stuff, but the fact is, at least they were winning games and winning some games of consequence. They're not even doing that now. It's disappointing, and it's time for St. John's and Georgetown to look in the mirror and say it's no longer 1985. It's 2023, and we've got to make forward-looking
1: moves. Absolutely. John, is there another coach that you have under the radar that might be on the hot seat? Is Are we talking Stubblefield? I, mm-hmm. I hope Stubblefield has a few more years. I love watching that guy on the sideline. Is there any other, you know, potential shakeup that we're just not, you know, aware of or on our radar?
0: No, I, I don't think so. I think everybody else is intact. I really can't see there being any sort of a change. Uh, you know, I wonder how much longer Greg McDermott wants to stay in coaching. Mm. I think there are. There, I think that he looks at the the culture, the climate of of college basketball, and I think Mac has done it for a long time, and, and may want to take a step back and watch his son. play in the NBA and just enjoy life with his wife. I I don't know if that, if retirement's coming, I'm not going to say that, but I just wonder how much longer he wants to stay around the sidelines. I think it's a, it's a question to consider, Mm -hmm. but is anybody else on the hot seat? No way. No,
1: I don't see that. I I was, I'm always worried that DePaul will get sick of, you know, but I, I just don't, I really like what Tony Stubblefield's building and the talent he's bringing in. Um, there, John. Speaking of coaches, who do you have for Coach of the Year right now? Three-team race, three-person race right now.
0: Yeah, I think that my Coach of the Year today would be Shaka Smart. But if they were to regress as the year goes on, then I think you got to hand it to Sean Miller. I mean, I think he's been that good, and and in his return to the sideline, Xavier, like just just the intensity that they play at, the intensity level they play with. You know, they're not the best defensive team, Tyler. They're not. But they do get timely stops. They close. Xavier knows how to close. In their last eight games, decided by five points or less, they're seven and one. They've been great. They have been great in close games. And at 19 and five overall, I think we all thought Xavier would be improved. I didn't know if they would win the big East championship. Now the coaches voted them second. So to me, it comes down to who wins this conference title. Mm -hmm. Now, if Marquette finishes second and they still finish strong, I would give it to Shaka because Xavier was still picked two, Marquette was picked nine. I do wonder about Marquette here just because of the past performance in February, when they lose a game, sometimes things have gone downhill. I really want to tell you, Tyler, I believe in this Marquette team. I believe in them. Yeah. And I think that they've got the pieces to make a deep march run. Offensively, they're dangerous. Tyler Cole is one of the best point guards in America. Cam Jones is an elite bucket getter. Omax Prosper's versatile. Oso Iguodaro is a mobile big. And they play hard. They play together. Most teams are going to lose at UConn. Marquette
1: went down swinging. Shaka Sparks my Big East coach of the year. Uh, yeah. Do you put any... um? I've been talking to people about Ed Cooley. Is there something to be said about bringing in eight, six transfers every year and, you know, making it work throughout the season? Is is that going to be in consideration for Coach of the Year, you know, bringing in a whole new team every year?
0: He will be. There's no question he will be. Um, I just think that Shaka's done more with less, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. So, I, for me, Ed Cooley brought in a – I love – look. Hey, Ed Cooley, I love him as a coach, and he's an even better person. And he's done a great job with Providence. There's no question about that. I think what Marquette's done, though, is more impressive to this point. Cooley's a candidate. And finding Hopkins, John Calipari could really use Bryce Hopkins right now. And and when you package that together with Devin Carter and what Carter's been able to supply for them, I mean, that's been really impressive to watch. And how about Noah Locke? Noah Locke has been superb in the last month. So, no, I I really like Ed's candidacy. I just think Shaka gets the edge, but there's no question. Could Providence make a second consecutive Sweet 16 out of nowhere? Wouldn't shock me. They're probably going to be a five seed, maybe a six. Like, they're going to be in position to make a run. He's just such a good coach. He sets his guys up for success. And the way that those guards have come on has been really impressive. It hasn't had to be
1: the Jared Bynum show
0: for the Friars to achieve success. And I really like that about them.
1: They don't need any one player to be great to win. Yeah, they go about eight deep at this point. Um, I think John Calipari might see Bryce Hopkins when, if, when and if he decides to move on from Kentucky in his nightmares. Um, is Who's your player of the year right now, John? Is it Boom? Is it Kolek? Is it Hopkins? If you had to, you know, you had to pick one right now, who are you picking?
0: Man, it's tough. I'm going to lean Boom. I'm gonna lead Sule Boom because what he has done this season is nothing short of of spectacular uh, 10 20 point games this year for Sule Boom he's got the assist rate with five assists per game he's shooting forty six percent from the floor forty two percent from three point range eighty eight percent from the free throw line I mean I love Sule Boom I love everything about him and he's the closer Tyler, when we talk about why Xavier has achieved success, it's because Sule Boom has closed. He makes the big buckets. He delivers the big-time dish. He leads his team.
1: Hits the free throws.
0: Hits the free throws. That guy's automatic, and he's my Big East player of the year because he's been the best player on the best team. Kolek is a close second, and he's close. And they might end up sharing the award, but I'm going to lean with Boom.
1: Yeah. I saw Goodman just uh, pulled 30 voters and Kolik and boom were the two highest ranked for all American um, big East players. So it seems like they agree with you too, that Kolik and boom are the two front runners. Yes. All right, John, I want you to give me your boldest prediction before we get into a little rapid fire, quick boldest prediction for the big East, whatever you got hit me with it. Wow. On the spot.
0: Boldest, I guess. boldest prediction for the big East. Providence makes a second consecutive Sweet Sixteen appearance. All right, mm-hmm. the conference gets three teams to the second weekend this time around, and the Creighton Blue Jays make the Final Four.
1: Ooh, that! So you just appealed to Blue Jays fans, Friars fans, and one mystery team that you're talking about in that second weekend right now.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if as they keep coming on, UConn's that team that makes that sweet 16, just because I think they're showing us, hey, they went through a lull, but it's a long season. It's a marathon. You can't deny that team's talent Mm -hmm. and what they have when Jordan Hawkins gets cooking and now Tristan Newton able to initiate. So yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, that's my bold prediction. And I just think Creighton's got it. They defend, they're balanced, they're experienced. And I love them in any setting against any team. I don't think there's a team that they don't match up well with. Now you got to if Brenner gets in foul trouble, then we're talking a different story. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm, I'm wearing blue Jay blue right now with you.
1: Cock, Cockbrenner, also, one of the silver linings from that injury, Fred King's emergence. like I was worried about their death. Fred King looked like a legitimate piece during that Cockbrenner injury. So hopefully, there was a silver lining in that low for Creighton in the middle of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that they are a team that had some things to figure out because there's only one basketball the whole Nemhard, Alexander, Shireman, and Kaluma. At times, Kaluma was trying to do too much. Like the game at Texas, he was trying to do too much. Move the ball. They've got five balanced players.
1: Introducing the first Big East barroom sponsor, DMR Designs. Um, this is a company that we are lucky to partner with who comes with custom apparel, tees, jerseys, hoodies. Um, one of the best people that we know too. Um, this company, what I was thinking when we, you know, they asked to partner with us is they are literally a college kid's dreams because they're going to do custom shirts for you. They're going to have your rec sport team or your intramural sport team looking great and they're going to do it at an affordable rate and a company that you can trust. So. That's kind of where I was thinking, you know, when we were originally partnered with them. Yeah, if you play rec sports and you want like a fun shirt for all of your boys to wear to the rec sports, you yep. know, if like you want like a golden eagle shirt with a big golden eagle, if you're a Marquette fan or wherever you want, you know, hit up the Designs. That's what they do. They're some of the best in the business. Like hats, jerseys, sweatshirts, water bottles. Like you can get anything you want from them. And where can you find them? Good question. Thank you for asking, listener. Die Designs on Instagram. DMR Designs' website is in our show notes. DMOR Designs, I just posted about it on Twitter. Go find them, go look them up because honestly, at the end of the day, we wouldn't be endorsing a product we don't like. Half of my shirts are from DMR Designs at some time or the other. And honestly, like they're also comfortable enough to wear. So go buy your DMR Designs stuff and go get your team ready to go. All right, John, you ready to be on the hot seat? I got, a, I got about a few rapid fire questions for you. Let's rock. Let's All right, do it. John. Who wins the Big East tournament?
0: Well, I'll double down and I I I Creighton spend a, a four of the nine Big East tournament finals. Mm-hmm. They make it five of ten. They win their first.
1: Creighton. Right. Who wins the Big East regular season? Xavier. Like I I like that one.
0: Hangs in. They hang in and they hang on.
1: Yeah. John, who's your favorite person to work with? <laughs> who are you insulting today oh man yeah
0: exactly exactly who am i gonna insult i'll tell you what um we've got so many great partners Mm -hmm. at at fox donnie marshall is a, a dear friend and a great partner to work games with so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with donnie but vin parisi is a best friend of mine as well they're both they're both They get me in stitches. They make me laugh. We have fun together. Donnie and Vin.
1: I was just told that Donnie Marsha was married in the same town that I am at. How about that? So small. How about that? At the the church down the street. Um, John, who is the, um, which team goes deepest in the tournament? You already said that. and You said Creighton. John, who's one player that you root for individually because you know something about them that makes you root for them?
0: Wow, that's a really good question. I never thought of that. I'll tell you what to me, there's a couple of guys, all right? So I'll start by saying, I root for Cam Jones at Marquette because I think that he I think he's a really mature kid beyond his years, puts in the work very likable and just a hard worker. I mean just a hard worker. Adama Sonogo is one of the likable guys you're ever going to encounter. He is just a big, friendly giant. Great kid. Works his tail off. You know, always, always just, just, he just gets it. Always easy to interview. Always easy to interview.
1: Some good sound clips this year, too.
0: Yeah. Justin Moore is a great comeback story. Justin has always been gracious with his time. I talked with him when he was injured. Gave me an exclusive sit down. He's easy to root for because he's just a guy who gets it as well. And Casey and Defo talk about a guy who bet on himself, stayed at St. Peter's rode the wave. Casey is an easy player to root for because he just goes so hard. He helps his team win. And then the last one would be Jared Bynum. You know, for me, Jared Bynum, he gets it. When you talk to him, he listens to you. He's the perfect Dead Cooley point guard. He's a a better person than he is a player, and he's a pretty doggone good player. So Jared Bynum's a guy – I think he really understands how to be a teammate. And, like, I I go up to Providence to media train them during the summer. Jared's eyes are always on you. He respects people, and he's a really good
1: person. It's awesome. That's a lot of teams that you touched on and a lot of guys that I, you know, I think shine through the TV sometimes. It's nice to hear that, you know, on the other side too. Um, Best home atmosphere for a Big East basketball game?
0: Mika Mutual Pavilion when Providence has it going. There's there's no place that's louder. There's no place that's more rambunctious. That place is out of this world, wild, bonkers loud. I have never seen anything like what I watched last year when they went on their run. And it's right back to that level this year when the friars are cooking. The amp is nuts.
1: That's- Hey, Providence fans pride themselves on the dunk and the amp that, you know, being that loud and it's got its own quirks now too with the, you know, the water and stuff. So I think that no they definitely have a home court advantage. John, last question. I'll get you out of here. You're stuck in a foxhole. Who are you getting in there to help you out?
0: <laughs> well, I'm not getting out of the foxhole <laughs> because, because uh, the size thing here, I wonder how I got in the foxhole. I don't <laughs> But um. If if my fiance is not available, I'm calling Bill Raftery because he can bring some drinks and we can just get
1: stuck in there together. I think that sounds about as good. How's
0: that sound?
1: And that sounds like a Biggie's barroom type of night. (laughs) Yeah, he he would
0: live for the barroom. He does. And if I'm stuck in a foxhole, if I have to be stuck, it's going to be with drafts.
1: Well, John Fanto, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, It's been awesome to watch you kind of rise, this meteoric rise, to be that voice of the Big East. Um, And thank you so much for being so great to us. We've really enjoyed interacting with you.
0: Tyler, great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. And I can't wait to pull up a stool again to the Big East Bar Room.
1: John Fanto, you're the best. Thank you.